My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC, located somewhere between Sacramento and San Francisco, California, on the West Coast. It's about 6.05 a.m. On, on the West Coast and about uh, 9 and some change on the East Coast, where Reuben Young, our continuing conversa conversation that we're having about the, uh, the Broward County uh, spillover campaign ballot issue where uh, potentially, well, not even potentially, we know that it happened to at least one person. So I can say the ballot uh, issue where you look at your ballot and you say, none of these people are the people that uh, I should be voting for. And thank goodness for that Democrat, uh, former Cooper City mayor, who she knew that the people on the ballot were incorrect. So that tells me that maybe the other people didn't even notice it. But uh, that's that's not too good. But anyway, we're going to continue our conversation about the uh, the Broward County uh, ballot situation and what we have seen and how we believe that the situation is even bigger than before. And, and we are crying out for help, for support, for people, groups. Governor DeSantis, where are you? Where are you, Governor DeSantis? Um, you received the email from, from Ruben Young and some of your the people in your hierarchy. Uh, please contact us. There, there's a big problem happening in Broward. And uh, so at this point, I want to bring on Ruben Young to say hello, and then I will continue with my intro. Good morning, Ruben, who is running for... Uh, the Republican side, Florida congressional candidate for Congress, District 25, and the Democrat opponent is Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's been there since 2004, and Carla and and, and um, Ruben's primary opponent is Carla Spalding, and she's a nurse and a real estate agent. So, good morning, Ruben. How are you doing? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Uh, glad to have me back. I'm glad you got me back on again talking to your audience. Again, this is uh, Ruben Young. I'm a congressional candidate uh, for Florida New Congressional District 25. I am seeking to be the first Republican to serve that district, uh, the first Republican to bring common sense back to that district, and the first Republican uh, to do the work that is repair and restore the damage to the people in that district. So please vote for me. Give me an opportunity to serve. I've been at this now since 1989. I'm not new to this. I am true to this. So that's my commitment. So please remember and vote for Ruben Young, ryoungforcongress.com. Hey, thank you, Ruben. And your website is ryoungforcongress.com. And, uh, you know, donations definitely help, especially now since it seems like Ruben may be doing more work to help uh, Broward County and uh, to help uh, restore fair and honest elections. And hopefully someone will, will run with this, uh, this, this thing that has been identified uh, by, well, primarily it's been told to the local news stations. And that was kind of prompted us a little bit to uh, see this thing. But even before that, Ruben had been talking with, uh, the Broward County election officials, oh, pretty much all throughout, you know, 2022, but it picked up in April when this redistricting thing 
uh, began to uh, solidify and, you know, the, you know, the, the, all the court cases were, you know, settled and we knew that there's a district 25 and we just wanted to know who was in it. You know, how can you move people from the, from these old districts into, into this new district? And I believe that's when the problem happened when uh, either something was done or something was neglected, but this brought, uh, this put Joe, Joe Scott, in the spotlight where he has to uh he has to fix this problem he has to uh probably you know hopefully talk to someone about how it happened but i want to also say congratulations ruben your website has been blowing up i'm the person that manages the website and your website man is blowing up and you're starting to you're starting to get some donations trickling in and i believe it's because you know, I think people are starting to see that uh, you've been out there. I know Debbie's the sort of a quote unquote, the incumbent. I mean, she's not the incumbent for, for 25 because it's new, but she's been in the area for a long time. And then you got Carlos Spalding used to be a Democrat and independent, and now she's a Republican. And I haven't seen anything uh, on her other than maybe a, a Facebook page a uh, Facebook video that was up, then it was suddenly pulled down because I don't think people liked it. I mean, I didn't like it. I wanted to copy it so I can use it, but um, it got pulled down so fast. I couldn't even, I couldn't even copy it, but um, Ruben, can you do a recap yes, sir. on how this problem that we are now seeing in, in Broward County, can you do a quick recap of what the problem is, because there's going to be some things done, even if we have to do it ourselves, there's going to be some things done about this. Okay, Rick, thank you. Again, this is our Ruben Young candidate running for Congress District 25. Let me just try to give a good a good summation of what I think the problem is. You know, it, the problem really began when I got a chance to see how partisan uh, Joe Scott was in January when he was dealing with the special election and how uh, I felt allegedly that he used his position as supervisor of the election to support candidates and those candidates primarily being Democratic candidates. And I, I always knew, I felt, that a supervisor of the election was supposed to be a nonpartisan, unbiased opinion of making sure that our elections are safe and secure. But I, I didn't see that with Mr. Scott. So that, that was very alarming uh, to see how he allowed individuals to, to come and talk, uh, balance all at a drop box. But it goes a little bit further. I went to a meeting about a year or two ago. And I heard Mr. Uh, Scott in that meeting. He was talking to a Democratic club, and I was out helping the friend Candace, and then she, she asked me to come on in. But I'm glad I was there because sometimes as Republicans, we must know and what, must hear what the plans are in, on the other side. When I heard him say that he was not going to enforce SB 90, and he's a constitutional officer. He's supposed to obey the laws that that's put out by the state legislature, especially those general laws. He has no choice other than to, to make sure that the general laws are enforced as signed and passed by the state legislature. But when he said to them that he was not going to enforce ballot harvesting, that he wasn't going to uh, put the book out where when you turn in a ballot, you must sign it, and you must uh, tell who the person turning in that ballot. And he said he wasn't going to 
do that. And when he said that he wasn't going to ask people uh, who they bring in the ballot in for, and to go beyond that, when he said, and I heard him in that meeting, I was appalled and I was shocked, and I, I heard him tell people how to get around voter registration because now third-party registrations are no longer recognized. You must have a code, something that identifies the, the, the organization who, who's registered, recognized by the state to uh, do registrations. When I heard him tell them how to break the law, that was very alarming to me. That was very concerning to me. And so this is why I began a campaign after the special, especially after the special election, because I filed numerous election fraud charges, uh, especially when you had Rosalind Osgood, who never resigned from her position as the Broward County School Board member to run for state Senate seat. And that was ignored. That portion of the law was uh, was ignored because under the resign to run law, you must, if you are an office holder, you must resign your previous seat so you can run for a new seat. That never happened in Roswell Osgood case. And then she signed off on her oath of office or a candidate's oath of office. And they said that specifically, did you resign from your previous seat to run for this seat? And she signed off affirming that, yes, she did. Well, I knew she didn't. So I began writing uh, as we were moving towards the special, I mean, moving towards these primary elections. I had began writing uh, various officials, uh, the governor and the secretary of state and uh, Broward County Inspector General, trying to alert them and trying to do all that I could to remove these federal elections from the auspices on the, the, the handling of these uh, partisan local supervised elections because, you know, Rick, to be honest with you, uh, the, the problem is bigger than that because I did a lot of work. I've been out here way longer than Carlos Spalding, and I just look at how they are, uh, how they are trying to uh, put her in a position that I don't think that she's ready for. I've been preparing for this moment. I've I've been doing everything I could, uh, dotting my eyes and crossing all my teeth for over 25 years to I'm now at the point where I understand how they're doing it. But this newest debacle, it only confirmed what I have been saying all these all these many months, why we must remove these elections from up under the offices of these uh, partisan or these Democratic supervisory elections, because you're going to constantly, continuously get things like you're seeing now, sending out wrong ballots. You know, there's no excuse. This should not happen again. We've always had debacles in Broward County and Miami-Dade County and other places. But this should not be happening because Mr. Scott, when he was elected, he took an oath of office. He took, a, he, he took an oath of office that he would protect our election. Well, now we, all we can talk, constantly now get from him since I, I saw in the special election is nothing but excuses. The, the excuses must end today. They must end because there's no there's no justification of sending wrong ballots out, especially when, when I made them aware, when, especially when you made them aware that we had problems way before the primary election, way before early voting election, way before trying to get data. Because part of this is that his data person said that the system was not updated, but the maps. The, the congressional map, the redistricting map, was approved uh, through a special session of the legislature, April, I think, April 2022, uh, April 22nd, 2022, and he had ample enough time to update the system. I even brought to his attention, Rick, that he had the wrong data 
because they had, they had refused to give me the correct data when I was trying to create a walk list and a mail-out list. And that was way before the election. I think it was around April, May, June, when they had refused to give me that information. I finally got that information, but it was done in August or at the end of July. But it should, that should not have happened because all you have to do is contact either the division of, of state and update the system and get the newest data. But I think there was a, a well-thought-out plan to uh, help uh, candidates, Democratic candidates or Republican candidates posing this, uh, uh, a Democratic candidate posing as Republican candidates so he can uh, uh, thwart the efforts of the Republican Party of taking back the House because he's a very partisan person. So, you know, sending out these wrong ballots, especially ballots that belong to District 25, sending them ballots to District 23 so those people don't get an opportunity to vote. And then he then he come back and just allegedly control a pool of votes that he can give to either or because they those people that voted in 23, 23, uh, the people in 23 uh, part of the uh, part of those areas belong to 25. So it's easy for him to, have to control a pool of votes and slip it to the candidate that he thinks need to uh, need uh, the additional help. I don't know whether it be a Carlos Balding or whether it be a Debbie Wasserman show. It certainly won't be me, Rick. Because I've been at the uh, other end trying to make sure he does he do the right thing within the uh, division of election. So, in a nutshell, Rick, and giving you that that uh, condensed version of what I think is the problem, uh, that's what I see, and that's the thing that uh, that should be concerning to a lot of candidates that they can lose election because a supervisor election, a partisan supervisor of election, allegedly would be able to put ballots in areas where people vote. Uh, in the wrong area, but he can put them in the right area because he, he'll be able to control the data, and that's data manipulation. So, yes, Rick, in a nutshell, that's my concern, but this this should not have happened, and there's no reason for this to have happened again, again, and again, Rick. Gotcha, gotcha. So it sounds like you have a, you have a little bit of uh, the California disease there in Broward County, where cheating and election fraud runs amok. And I just want to let people know out here in California, California is not a blue state. We have blue people in an office that cheat. And it makes people believe that California is a blue state. California is not a blue state. I'll tell you that right now. I've lived there for 25 plus years. And I can tell you just about every community, even in places where I used to live in San Francisco, you know, even San Francisco, I would say is 50-50 and other areas outside of San Francisco and, and even areas of Los Angeles, you have pockets where it might be a little blue, but overall Los Angeles is not a blue state, a blue city. But you mentioned something, I wanna get a definition of the word or the phrase ballot harvesting. What is that? Where did it come from? And why are the Democrats hurting their own their own voters? In other words, why are they uh, using this thing called ballot harvesting to even hold back Democrat voters? Because it seems like, uh, you know, based on what I know about ballot harvesting, it seems like uh, they don't want good policies to ever hit South Florida. So they keep these 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 Democrat uh, uh, politicians in office so that black people and people of color and, and white people and Jewish people and Asian and Muslim people never see 
the benefits of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So please explain and, 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 and briefly what is ballot harvesting? Well, Richard, I need to let you know. Richard, I need to let you know, uh, Rick, I'm taught that. I got my preaching hat on this morning, so forgive me. Uh, but in, in, ballot harvesting in this state is illegal. And what that primarily is is when you have individuals uh, going around throughout the various communities within their terrain, within that district or area, and they collect either absentee ballots or they collect uh, either mail-in ballots, which those things are not in our state constitution. But we have laws prohibiting people who are not related to the voter to go uh, throughout the neighborhood and fill the ballot out for them for the candidate that they represent, or to pick up a whole pool of, of, of ballots and turn them in. Uh, that's illegal. We're now on the SB90. Uh, the state increased the fines for people turning in more than one ballot, especially ballots that, that don't belong to them. And they're also making the, the, the general public, they're causing them to break the law. Because before you can turn somebody's ballot in, you must be, get, you must be given written permission by some affidavit that the voter uh, claimed that he or she knows who the person is, and then you take that affidavit down to the election office and you turn it in on their behalf. But, but the law now prohibits you turning in more than two or three ballots. You know, there's nothing wrong with you turning in a ballot. But it's, it's something seriously wrong when you're going through neighborhoods, collecting ballots, filling out people's ballots, telling them that you're going to turn in those ballots. Open the ballot, and then if it's not uh, checked off or if it's not for your candidate, you take it upon yourself to to assist. And sometimes you assist in the very worstable ways. So ballot harvesting, Rick, is when you got paid staffers, whether you have political organizations or whether you have uh, 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 churches engaged in breaking the law by going throughout uh, their areas, going throughout their communities and collecting ballots, or even sitting in people's homes and filling out the ballots for them or guiding them to who you want them to vote for. You know, when I was involved in that special election, first thing that took place back in January, that was a data breach, a, a second data breach, because last time there was an election, there was a data breach, and all that important information from those uh, records from the school, Broward County School Board, which uh, last year, Robin Oscar was the chairperson of the Broward County School Board, and I'm not trying to cast any dispersions, but there, there's always a data breach. And every time you see candidates when there's a win, especially on the Democratic side, allegedly, you always see them receive the, the, the amount of ballots, of, of, of votes, from the, from the numbers of people suffering from that data breach. And so I started re realizing that are using this scheme, which we must uh, do away with in this state. They're using this scheme where there's always a data breach, and then someone, however, in a, in a house, and, and they got a, 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 allegedly you have people sitting around the table, and they're looking for people who have not voted. Because they, they're also in that data breach information, Rick, is voter registration numbers. Information that you, all you need is to have a name, an address, uh, a date of birth, uh, and a voter registration number, and then you have somebody bold enough and w willing enough to sign 
that signature for that voter. And when you have a supervisor elected like a, a Joe Scott or anyone else mm-hmm. elected saying that they're not going to do signature verification, and they allow a don't ask, a, a, a information, don't ask, don't tell policy within our election office or look the other way policy in our election office, that becomes a very serious uh, imposition where, you're breaking the, where they're breaking the law. And like I said again, Rick, that's what that, that's what data harvesting is. This state is doing a lot of it. I've seen and I know people that commit this illegal act. I have never engaged, and the people that I've worked with have never engaged in that crime. Because, you know, if, as Republicans, we don't get a chance to determine what laws we're going to follow and what laws are we going to break. We are the defenders of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're the, we're the, we're the ones that put the finger in the dam to keep the, the community from being open flood by great uh, outbursting of uh, illegal uh, uh, incidences. So that's what's going on with and doing a lot of battle harvesting of absentee ballots. You know, asking these ballots this, Rick, you're saying to the state that you're not going to be able to come to the precinct and vote. So you want to, you're going to be out, of, uh, you're going to be on vacation in the Bahamas. You're going to be laying on the beaches. You're going to be stressed out with your, with your, uh, you know, with your wine or whatever drink that you would drink when you go on vacation and being out in the hot sun and enjoying a good time with your family. So you say, I'm not going to be in the state. So I want to do it by absentee ballot. And so you get a ballot. So that ballot is not supposed to be uh, picked up or uh, you take the ballot and you take, take it down to the election office and drop it off. You say you're going to be out. I mean, you're not going to be around. So there's a lot of things that they are doing with this ballot harvesting that we got to get the handle on because they've been doing it for so long. I've been fighting this since 1989, and, and, it, and it's the same issue year in and year out. And I'm asking the governor and all those who have the enforcement authority, to have people out in the field, Rick, so we can shut down this ballot harvesting because we'll never be able to take back the House if we have people committing these illegal acts or encouraging people to commit these illegal acts. We need to do something. We need to do something fast as, as we approach the August 23rd primary or the August 13th early voting uh, primary. So, yes, Rick, it's a serious problem. We get to put that to an end. That sounds like 2,000 mules. <laughs> Two thousand mules in Broward County. That Joe Scott seems like quite a quite a guy. He's, he's a quite a guy, uh, upstanding guy. So yeah, but um, like I was like we were talking about a couple of days ago, this problem may be bigger than we than we thought. And uh, and I will tell you if you if you if you look at the ballot harvesting angle of this. And if this problem that uh, the news, the, the lady from Cooper City identified uh, to, the, to the news channel, if you take the ballot harvesting issue and you say, how does that impact all of these, these uh, spillovers and, 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 and districts overlapping and, and, and all this kind of stuff? And then you and Joe Scott said, oh, yeah, we got a fix for it. We're going to put 1,500 people we got 1,500, uh, you know, problems or, I don't know, several hundred problems. And I think he did, I don't think he elevated the number to something higher when he said precincts, a precincts, a thousand, four thousand. I think the ballot harvesting thing might come back and bite Joe Scott in the butt. 
with this particular ballot spillover thing. I don't have any predictions, but as a former person that has done a lot of uh, investigation at the corporate level and fixed a lot of problems, I believe the ballot harvesting thing is going to really be a um, attack in his seat, so to speak. But like I said, Ruben, the, the problem is even bigger. I know the lady from Cooper City, uh, she came on, uh, she went on the, the Sunday news shows and she said, oh, I'm in Cooper City and she's in your district. I mean, she's not a, a Republican. She, she may or may not vote for you. I don't think she can vote for you because she's a Democrat, but she's from Cooper City. And I looked up the District 20 map, which is right above, well, that's one of the districts above District 25. District 23 is to the east, but it also borders District 25. And I looked at that map, and I looked at Cooper City, and I looked up District 20, and I said, that's all, that's quite a long ways from District 20, Cooper City. And I asked you the other day, I said, if you had to get in your car, Ruben, and drive from Cooper City to, like, maybe the one of the closest communities in District 20, what did you tell me? 15 minutes? 20 minutes? Yeah, about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. At 55 miles an hour? 55 miles an hour. Okay. So if I got in my car right now where I lived, where I live, and I drive at 55 miles an hour, and I drive 15 to 20 minutes, bro, I'm downtown. And you know what? Look. That's a lot of houses. That's not 1,500 houses. And I'll tell you something. Okay, so let's just, let, let me just put my, my previous engineer, uh, engineering, I was an engineering major in school before I switched to business and economics. Okay, so let's say it's 20 miles an hour. I mean, it's 20 miles from Cooper City to District 20. And let's say you're driving 60 miles an hour. Okay, so the lo long story short, we're going to give Joe Scott a break. We're going to say that there are not continuous houses from Cooper City to District 20. I would say that if if there were continuous houses, you would have for for for, for that for that uh, short distance, you would have something like uh, a, a thousand to to twelve hundred homes on each side of the road that you're driving on. Twelve hundred on one side and 1,200 on the other side. So that's 2,400 homes just in that one, you know, that one, you're driving up and on each side of the road that you're on, there's 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 1,200 homes. Now, let's say if we go four streets, you know, five streets to your, to your right of your driving or five streets to the east of your driving, man, that's another like, like 15,000 homes. But check this out. What did you tell me that community was, that community had townhomes and apartments. Can you explain what that and community looks like? What does that community look okay, like? So, okay, so so this 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 district is not just houses, single family homes. It's high rises. Uh, it's apartment buildings. It's motels where you have a lot of people uh, because of the public economic status. They have to live in motels, and these motels can carry about. Now, are we talking about Cooper 30. City, the Cooper City area? Yeah, we're, we're talking about the district within itself. We're talking about the, okay. all the, the people that, all the people, potential voters that was excluded or disenfranchised by this mistake because, you know, he said that he will uh, 
fix the problem because only about 1,600, 1,800 people was affected, but that's not true because this, this district uh, has a lot of uh, mobile homes, trailer parks, high-rises, uh, apartment complexes, a lot of multi-family homes, single-family homes. So it could not just have been 1,800 people uh, impacted. And then another concern, because I'm very leery of some of the practices that I've seen since 1989, uh, now having employees to go out and fix the ballot, that's almost like giving justification for the ballot harvesting, because if he was telling the community that his office is going to be out in the community uh, going house to house, he's setting up potential ballot harvesting fraud. Whether he's doing it intentionally or uh, allegedly intentionally or not, somebody's going to always try to take advantage of the efforts of trying to do what's right. Because, you know, in not justification in this world, right is wrong, wrong is right. But you're talking about the exclusion of hundreds of thousands of voters. Uh, they said, from your estimation, the impact is 100,000. But that's 100,000 100, times three. Because you got people inside, you may have three or four voters in one residence, one home. And so that's not being considered. You're looking at that one building or that one house as a one person voting. But that can be six people in that home that was impacted because of this error. So you're right, Rick. And so this district is, 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 is compacted. It has a lot of homes, a lot of, uh, a lot of mobile homes, a lot of trailer parks, a lot of high rises, a lot of, a lot of uh, apartment complexes. And those people were dis disenfranchised by this act, which should have never happened. And I'm not going to sit up here and, and say what he did is a, another mistake. It's not a, a mistake. It should not it should not have happened. Should right. not have happened. And plus, there are pit bulls, pit bulls in these neighborhoods. Do you think Broward County employees are ready for that to to, to walk around and uh, and say, "Hey, miss, hey, ma'am, hey, senor, hey, senorita, hey"? And then you got you got Ralphie the pit bull that's that's coming out after these employees. I don't, man. I don't. I have, I do not believe that that. He can do something. I've been like there, Rick. I've, I've been chased by the same pit bulls. I've been chased by those same pit bulls, Rick. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That's so. So uh, let's see. So um, yeah. So that number, in my opinion, and that's just District Twenty. And like I said, Cooper City is a long way. I mean, it's like to me, you know, looking at the map. And that's why I wanted to ask you how long did it would it take to go from Cooper City to District 20? Man, that's a good 15 uh, to 20 minutes at 60 miles an hour. That means it's 15 to 20 minutes, 15 to 20 miles, and lots of, of, of properties um, that you pass by driving to Cooper City. Uh, let's see. So uh, let's see what else. So, again, this problem may extend to District 24. And we're going to find out because we're, I'm going to call some District 24 people and uh, just say, hey, you know, uh, you know, you just want to check to see what's on your ballot. You know, I don't care who you vote for. Just want to see what you see. And just I won't, I'm not even going to mention the problem. I just want to see what they see. Um, and then, all, then obviously we're going to call District 25 people. Uh, you've had a, a person... I send you a message 
thanking you for running. And uh, she made a small donation. So we're going to call her to ask her what's on her ballot. And then we're calling business owners just to let them know to check their ballots. Because if this Cooper City lady, and she's well-informed about, uh, about ballots and voting, but the average person is not. And I think that may be, if there's anything malicious going on here, it's because uh, the, the election office knows that people are not as knowledgeable about who's running and what the process should be and whether the, the names are correct or not. So if there's anything malicious being done, it's because of that reason. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, Rick, let me jump in. Let me jump in one second, Rick. All right, so, you know, I, and I want to thank, I want to thank the former mayor of Cooper City for what she did. I also want to thank a gentleman. He's a, uh, name is Mr. Thompson. He was the city, uh, city of Miami Beach. He was a city of Miami Beach commissioner. I think he was elected back in the 60s and 70s or 80s. Uh, it, uh, he made a phone call to me well before this story broke. He had concerns about his ballot. And he uh, was concerned because he said that both him and his wife, they really appreciate the opportunity of, of casting that ballot for me. Uh, he was concerned. I think I, I think I mentioned that to you. So that was well way before this Channel 10 story. But it, it goes beyond that. Uh, if, if I had not had the experience of all this fraud taking place since 1989 that I've been fighting, uh, that I've written uh, charges on, filed complaints on, and I know I filed so many complaints and complained about these elections for many, 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 many years. If I had not had some degree of experience, I would have never recognized that something was wrong with the first instance, the first sample ballot that they mailed out. It was that experience of fighting with these, uh, these supervisors of elections and trying to understand the trickery, the alleged trickery that goes along with fighting to, to ensure the safety and, and, uh, and uh, uh, integrity of our elections are free and secure. If I had not had a, a bad experience, this problem, especially this particular problem of, of, of us identifying issues well before you now see them taking place. If it had not been the ballot come to me, then if it had not been be sending you the ballot with the background and experiences that you have to take a look at this mundane problem well before this, way before this, Rick, and sending the letter based on what you saw was wrong from the information that I provided to you. If you had not been in place, this, this the state, in this instance, uh, Joseph Scott would have gotten away with murder. So it, 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 this is a caveat. And I thank God that this mayor came along and confirmed the things that you helped me put in a letter that I provided to the, 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 to the Secretary of State, the Governor, and Lieutenant Governor, and all those who have some enforcement authority, which I thank God that we have a governor like Ron DeSantis uh, leading us, leading this state to, to ensure that we have uh, honest and fair elections. But still, yeah, this problem was identified to Mr. Scott by, uh, by you looking at the sample ballot the first time he sent it out, by me looking at the sample ballot the first time we sent out. And in our experiences, I don't think that any other candidate in my race would identify this issue well before you now seeing it unfold. And we're seeing the issue unfold that was brought to Mr. Scott's attention where he asked for a suggestion. I provided him the letter that you helped me create. Uh, 
and identifying all the problems which to hear him on television to say he was unaware is just to me very disingenuous. And how can we trust individuals that are looking in our eyes and tell us a lie? That will look you in your eye red. You know, a long time ago, I'm 61 years old. A long time ago, you can tell a person the truth, you shake their hand, you walk away without any contract or arrangement, and that was it. But you can't do that anymore. And I think that uh, Mr. Scott being a constitutional officer, he took an oath. He, he took an oath, to, and he said to the great people of this state that he would do everything within his power to ensure that our elections are free, our elections are fair, and our elections are secure. And trust me, I don't see that with this, this partisan supervisor of election. So uh, the voters must make up in their mind. Do we want these? Do we want people in office that's going to lie to us? That's going to manipulate us? That's not going to tell us the truth? I'm a Christian. I am a person that's not going to put my soul in danger because when this is over, with, I expect when that time comes to go to heaven. I don't expect to look to leave here and look up and say this is not Kansas. Where am I? This is not Kansas. So we have a very serious problem, and this state must address it. And if I had the enforcement authority, then I, I would not be accepting any excuses from a partisan supervisor election who is also a constitutional officer. He's not a regular citizen. He's a constitutional officer, and he's duty-bound to do the job that we put him in to do. And I keep, and all we're getting from is excuse, excuse, and to deny me access to information that I was entitled to as a congressional candidate running for the, one of the highest offices in the country. And they treated me by not providing me with what I needed so I could manage and maintain uh, my campaign. That's a serious problem with that, Rick. Very serious problem. I see. I got you. I got you. Yeah, so, Ruben, I'll tell you what. That um, that that the, this trickery. So what it tells me is that they have to cheat with this ballot harvesting. They have to lie to their own Democrat voters and Republican voters. I mean, like you said, he's not partisan. Should not should not be partisan. So that tells me that whatever the message is coming out of the Democrat Party must not be good. If you have to go to such lengths. To, to to win elections, that tells me that your 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 benefits and features. And then we're talking about sales stuff. You know, if I want to uh, offer you a product or service, I want the product or service to stand on its own two feet. I don't want to uh, manipulate uh, my my presentation, my my interview with you as a as a as a as a person offering a product or service, and then. Uh, then have the product or service not do what it's supposed to do because you won't do business with me ever again. And you're going to tell all your friends right. not to do business with me ever again. So what it tells me is that whatever the Democrat party is offering there in South Florida, it is so bad that they have to cheat to keep it going. And, and, and what do you think about that? Well, Rick, I'm, I'm glad, you know, and I, and I would like for you to also take a moment to Give the background, give us your experience. But when I was a salesperson, I never tried to sell any product that I didn't believe in or any product I wouldn't try myself. And, you know, to me, things like that is an overthrow of our country. And we need yeah. to start now, now start looking at people committing these treasonous acts because that's penalty. 
that goes along with trying to overthrow a constitutional state government or a constitutional federal government. Those things are, are severe, and you can receive prison time. If we had the right enforcement, the right enforcement officers that would go after these ballot officers, because I know a lot of them. I know their addresses. I know their names. If the state ever had me, and these are known ballot officers, these people engage in this theft year in and year out for money. They don't see the damage that they're doing by putting inexperienced people who have a, a lot of money in these positions. And when they get there, they think that they can buy access by bringing people in that have the experience, and they don't have an experience, and they don't know what to do from day one. If I was in Congress, I'd be able to see on day one the problems that we're facing in this district, and I'd be able to take to the national floor and do it with some, do it with some legitimacy because I'm a, a natural-born American. I was born in this, I was born in the USA. So, Rick, I thank God for you, and I thank God for the expertise and experience that you brought to this team and helping to identify problems before they even exist. So, if you would allow, Rick, could you explain your background? to your listening audience so they can hear how you was able to, uh, and why you was able to look at a problem and identify it right like that. Okay, well, i tell you, before I do that, you mentioned something that I got to chime on for about 30 seconds. When you mentioned, you said something like, these are paid ballot harvesters, and, and, uh, and, and you have, you know, rubbed elbows with them, you might, you might know who they are and they're getting paid to do this. So that tells me, and we're gonna talk about this one day next week, probably Monday, about where does this donor money go? Like when a candidate gets money, where does the money go? And let's say the candidate raises 600,000, a million dollars, but they don't have anything to show for it. Where does this money go? That's the question, I think we have the answer. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, I was I was born in Tampa, Florida. Uh, my mother's side of the family is um, you know black, but we also have a mixture of uh, Cuban in our family on my mother's side. My great great grandfather was a white German. That's right, a white guy. Uh, he married my uh, or not not married, but he he produced my great grandmother, who was born in eighteen ninety eight. And uh, she had uh, she had three daughters uh, that were, uh, you know, German, black and Cuban. And uh, my father's side of the family is uh, from from originates from Haiti, from Haiti. So, you know, that's that's my so I have nothing against foreign foreigners. I'm just saying get here legitimately. And if you are doing something, then be a U.S. citizen, especially if you're running for Congress, because it's a disgrace if you are not a U.S. citizen and you are running for one of the highest offices in the land. So fast forward, you know, I grew up there in Tampa, you know, always had a, a high aptitude for learning stuff. Uh, ended up, um, you know, uh, joining the military at 18 years old to escape uh, a bad, uh, you know, heroin uh, problem in the household. Mom and dad were both uh, heroin addicts and, and my, mom, my dad was a, a big drug dealer uh, there in, in Florida. And uh, ended up just joining the military and getting promoted and you know, did some great things as a combat <clears throat> assigned to a combat unit in telecommunications. Uh, something, a lot of stuff dealing with the highest level of Cisco, uh, Cisco equipment and Cisco programming for internet 
and telecommunications routing. Uh, just I had a lot of experience, been to 30 countries and ended up in corporate America, got pr promoted real fast. I was the youngest and I just I don't like to throw race out there, but just it's just a stat that that exists. I was the youngest uh, corporate executive at a Fortune 500 company in Los Angeles uh, because I had this experience and I was a military vet. And I've always had this fourth dimension thinking and and 4D thinking pretty much means uh, that you can think normally, but you have this fourth dimension where you can anticipate problems. By looking at something today, you can say, what if this blows up, it doesn't, it doesn't work, what could be problems that could make something not work? So my mind is a, I would say I'm a mature, advanced thinker. If you tell me you want to do something today, then my, my mind says, what could go wrong with this? So while most people are writing uh, you know, business plans uh, and, and doing things with operations, I'm thinking, how can I break this and how can we put measures in place so that it won't break? So I'm trying to break something as soon as I'm, I'm, I'm writing uh, you know, designs and, and manuals to, 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 to launch something. And currently, I'm a private sector business consultant. I support and train attorneys, CPAs, dentists, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, and real estate brokers. So when I saw this, this when, you, when we met in October or September of 2020, when I, when, I, when, when I first heard about you, I said, man, this guy's awesome. And then you happen to, you know, you're from Florida. I'm from Florida. We have similar backgrounds. I don't want people to listen to me and say, oh, this guy is much different than Reuben Young. And my answer to you is no, my brother. Reuben Young and I have had, like, we track one-to-one -one on many different uh, ways that we grew up. I grew up in the hood in, in, in Tampa, Florida, with a very harsh environment, harsher than a lot, of, a lot of people, you know, walking around talking about the day they got problems. But just to summarize, Reuben, when I met you and we started, you know, working together, I said, this guy's sharp. And one of the things that appealed to me about you, that you are authentic. You're not trying to lie to people. You're not trying to take their money, take their donor money and, and eat steak and shrimp at the highest price hotel paying $400 a night on donor money. I know how much money you, you have raised. I know how much less money you have raised. And brother, you have accomplished something that uh, a lot of people have, have, have spent millions of dollars trying to do and have failed. So that's, that's my uh, explanation uh, to you. And I want to just close out with, um, uh, let's see, I want to close out with, um, yeah, so I, I essentially, the way I look at things, I'm like, remember that show Columbo, Peter Falk, the late Peter Falk? Yeah. And, and, and he had yeah. that detective show called Columbo. That's how I see myself. Mm -hmm. Because if you tell me something, mm. damn it, it better be true. Because if it's not true, I'm going to find out. <laughs> yes, you do. You do that. <laughs> so close us out, you, man. Close you, us you out. Do that. You do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, Rick, I thank God for you, man. I thank God for the you know, listening order. I thank God for, I thank God for you coming into a, a situation. I've been just fighting this stuff since 1989, 1990. 
And I've been out here pretty much alone fighting it, and then I made sure I communicated this issue all across this country. And so I thank God for now having, because I went through a, a lot of presidents, a lot of congressional representatives, a lot of city council people, a lot of commissioners, a lot of uh, U.S. senators. I've, I've been on this issue now since that long. And now to have a Governor DeSantis and have a President Trump, who I believe is still the legal and lawful president of these United States because his electors were appointed by state legislatures and they was not elected. And his uh, electors was according to our uh, United States Constitution and the role of the state legislature thereof. So, you know, I, I want the voters to be uh, mindful that I'm somebody who have a track record. I'm somebody, somebody who won't, uh, with a go and get tough. Uh, run away. I'm, I stay in the fight. I'm the person that you can go into a battle with and you look up, I'm still in the battle because I believe that we either ride or die. And, uh, I'm someone that you can, uh, be rest assured that I'm not in it for the money because I am no sellout. I'm not perfect, but I'm a patriot just like a whole lot of people. And I want to see this country do well. So our children, so we can hand it off to our children. So when we, uh, stand before our maker, he can say, well done, that good and faithful servant. And the children of the future would be thankful that we took this fight and we fought the good fight of faith and we ensured that no, this country is not taken over by foreign uh, influences. So I want you to give me an opportunity. I would not rest. I would not sleep until the job get done. There's no nine to five with me. There's 24 hours a day, and that's the type of congressional representative I want to be in, and I want to also make sure that I know the people in the district. So when there is a problem, I, I know what it feels like to be hungry. I know what it feels like to be homeless. I know what it feels like to be unemployed because I'm one of you. I go through the same problem. I don't get, I ain't getting this race to raise a whole lot of money and then take that money and buy houses and buy cars and buy property and create all these businesses. And then won't let people know being born from someplace else won't let people know whether or not I'm a United States citizen. I'm an American. I'm proud to say that I'm American. And if you ask me for my birth certificate, trust me, Rick, I have no problem showing you because I do have a, a birth certificate that says live birth certificate in my possession. So uh, give me an opportunity. Give me a chance. Give me this one chance so I can make the people proud. Please go out and vote for Reuben Young, Florida congressional candidate, uh, district 25, hoping to be the first Republican to serve in this district and unseat Debbie Watson Schultz. Hey, my brother, I want to tell you that good things come to those who wait and effort always out outperforms uh, laziness. So your day is, is soon to arrive. And I want to thank you for uh, having the heart and, and going out there in the hot sun and getting those ballot petitions when other people paid $10,440 uh, to get in the race. I think a lot of people, especially starting today, when we leave and we get on the phone, we start calling these, these business owners and we start calling these people uh, on the list and letting them know that uh, you are running and that uh, you have identified a potential problem that, uh, that needs to be solved and, and perhaps a person in office that's, that's in that Broward County office cannot solve it. And I don't believe he can solve it. Matter of fact, I, I'm I'm 100 percent sure that he can't solve it because I know what problems look like. And this is a, this is a disaster, as President Trump would say. That's a disaster. You can't fix it. So anyway, this is Rick Rick at Rick Napier, Real People USA, LLC, RPUSA.org. Please subscribe. 
please go to Ruben's website, our young for Congress. Uh, um, ryoungforcongress.com. And by the way, I was a club DJ in San Francisco. Take it away or, or, or have a good day. Ruben, get to work, brother. You got some work to do today, man. I can tell. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. God bless you, brother. All right, thanks.